We're in this one church series, as you can see, and over this month we've been looking at the vision that God has given us to reach those who are far from Christ right here in our community. And what I want to do today in the next few minutes we have together is talk to you about why do we do this. In fact, maybe you're a guest with us today or you're not even a follower of Jesus and you're wondering, why do they talk so much about telling other people about what they believe? Well, today is a great day for you to be here because you're going to understand why we do what we do, why we're so passionate about telling one more person about Jesus Christ. And it's not to be pushy. It's not to be judgmental. It is to share the love that we have received in Christ with somebody else, to share the transforming message of Jesus with someone else. In fact, it's really the most loving thing that we can do if we believe Jesus is the Son of God who loved us enough to die for us on the cross and who rose from the dead. The most loving thing we can do for you is to share Jesus with you. Now, I know some people don't always uh, receive it that way, but that should be what motivates our hearts. But there's another reason why we do what we do, and that is to be obedient to Jesus, to do what he's called us to do. Many people in our world today, even if they don't believe Jesus is God's son, even if they don't believe that he died and was resurrected on the third day, still have a great respect for Jesus. They think, well, he was a great teacher, taught a lot of good things. No one can argue with his teaching. Our world would be better off if people tried to practice what he taught. There are people who say, well, he was a good person, went around doing good things, evidently. Who can argue with that? But as his followers... One of the things that he taught is for us to go and share him with you. And so we're trying to be obedient to our Lord and our Savior. Now, maybe you're already a Christian. Maybe you're already a, a, a believer in Jesus. You'll hear me sometimes refer to you as followers of Jesus. A few weeks ago, I had someone ask me the question, why do you call us followers of Jesus? It sounds like a cult. Well, sorry about that, uh, but that's not who we are. We're not a cult. No, in fact, it is a biblical definition to be called a follower of Jesus. Most people are more common with the more accustomed to the term Christian. But do you know Christians weren't called Christians at first? In fact, in the book of Acts, Christians weren't first called Christians until some people in the city of Antioch started calling them that. And it was really a derogatory term. They looked at these people who believed in Jesus, tried to pattern their lives after Jesus, and they looked down on them and said, who do those people think they are? Little Christ? Little Christians? And Christians took that title, Christian, as a badge of honor. But really, one of the early terms for people who were disciples of Jesus was a follower. And that's what we're going to see today in Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to look at verses 18 through 22, where Jesus calls us, to follow him. He calls us to be his followers. And what does that mean to follow Jesus? Why is that important? And what does following Jesus have to do with one church passionately united and focused on reaching the spiritually lost in our community? Well, that's what we're going to see today. Matthew chapter 4, beginning with verse 18. Jesus is beginning his public ministry, and we read these words. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. It's kind of an understatement, right? Matthew makes sure that you understand why are they casting this net into the Sea of Galilee, which, by the way, was really not like an ocean. It's just a large inland lake, 
miles in diameter. And so it was called the Sea of Galilee. But it's this freshwater lake. And these two brothers are professional fishermen. They had met Jesus a year earlier. They had heard him teach. They had learned a little bit about him. But a year later, Jesus comes and sees them fishing. And verse 19, And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you. So he says, I want you to follow me. Now in that day, to follow meant, be my disciple. Jesus is the teacher. Jesus is the rabbi. And he is calling Peter, Simon Peter, and his brother Andrew to become learners of Jesus. I want you to become my disciples. I want you to become my follower so that I can transform your life. I'm going to teach you about God. I'm going to give you a mission in life. I want you to follow me. But this is kind of backwards from the way it was normally done in Jesus' day. Typically, students would pick their Jewish rabbi. They would look at different rabbis, what differences in how they taught and how they understood God's word and how they viewed the world. And then they would choose the rabbi that they liked and they would apply to be that rabbi's student. The rabbi could accept them or not. But Jesus turns that upside down. Rather than the students looking for him, he goes looking for the students. Oh, by the way, that's really how all of us became followers of Jesus. Long before you thought of him, he was thinking of you. Long before you even knew him, he knew you. And he had a plan for your life. And in his grace, he called you into a relationship with himself. And he says, follow me and I will make you and how would you fill in that blank? You see, often we think, well, Jesus is going to say, follow me and I'll make you more spiritual. Follow me and I'll make you more holy. Follow me and I'll help your marriage. Follow me and I'll help your parenting. Follow me and I'll help you in your finances. And all of those things are great, and he does all of that and so much more. But that's not what he said to those first disciples. It's not what he says to us. Verse 19, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Hey, Simon Peter. Hey, Andrew, you're fishing for fish, but God's got a bigger purpose for your life. Follow me. Become my disciple. Learn from me. And I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Just like you're casting these nets out and drawing in fish, I'm going to use you to open your mouth and to tell the world who I am and God's going to use you to draw many people into the kingdom of God. God's going to use you to touch lives. He's going to use you to change people with the good news of who I am and what I'm going to do on the cross of Calvary. But in this very beginning, he sets the agenda for what it means to be his follower. Follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. And it all begins with Jesus, getting our eyes on Him, trusting Him, living for Him, learning from Him. And His transforming power making us something we are not at this moment. Follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. That's not who you are now. But I've got power to change you so that you can go into the world and help point other people to me and draw them into the kingdom of God. Now, some of you right now are pushing back on that, saying, whoa, 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 I did not sign up to follow Jesus 
to be a spiritual salesman. Uh, that's not who I am. Uh, you know, I just don't want to be pushy. I don't want to get in somebody's face. I'm not going to knock on doors. Well, well back up for a moment. You, you need to understand. We understand your dilemma. We understand sometimes the fear that we have. But honestly, most of us didn't follow Jesus to go and tell other people about Jesus. Our initial reason for following Jesus were selfish. Hey, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to spend eternity separated from God. I need somebody to forgive my sin. I'm going to follow Jesus. Where my life is a mess, just like we saw in the testimony today. And I, I've hit rock bottom, but I've learned about Jesus. And I want to trust him Maybe you came to Jesus because you needed help in your marriage. You needed help in your parenting. You needed help in relationships. You were going through some difficult times physically in your life. And you turned to Jesus. And that's awesome. That's wonderful. Just like Simon Peter and Andrew, Jesus met you where you were. But he loves you too much to leave you there. He's got a bigger purpose for you than just you. He's got a bigger plan for your life than just to save you from your sin. That's awesome. I'm not belittling that. But he's got something greater than that. Jesus didn't come just for you. He came for the world. And he wants to put you on mission to tell other people about Jesus. But sadly, the gravitational pull of all of our lives is to turn inward. To become self-centered. Where really when we think about following Jesus, our first thoughts are what's in it for me? And what's he going to do for me? And we bring that mentality into the church as well. Where we have turned church into a consumer organization where it's all about what I get out of it. Can I tell you this morning, I'm so thrilled to be a part of this church because I get a lot out of our fellowship and our worship and the ministries of our church but God did not bring us into his kingdom just for what we can get out of it. He didn't just bring us together as a church just for what we can get out of it. He brought us into his kingdom and into this church for what we can do together through it for the cause of Christ. To tell one more person about Jesus. And why wouldn't we want to tell people about Jesus? It is the greatest news that the world has ever heard. It truly transforms lives. If we know something good, we don't ever hesitate to share it. I guarantee you, if you find a restaurant that you love, oh my goodness, I'm going to text that, I'm going to tweet that, I'm going I'm to let somebody know, you've got to check out this restaurant. If we go to a movie that we love, we will go and see it three or four times and we'll take other people. You've got to see it. And part of the joy in seeing the movie the second and third time is not just seeing it ourselves, but we're watching for the reaction of our family or our friends. We want them to enjoy it as much as we enjoy it. That's why my kids hate it at night when I sit there and I, I start going through YouTube and I start putting on some good songs. Hey, have you heard this, Casey? Do you know this song? And I'm taking her back to Motown. I'm giving her some 80s rap. I'm doing a little Def Leppard. Have you heard this song? I've got a very eclectic taste. We were listening to some bluegrass the other night. I will, I, I'm really enjoying it, but I want to see them enjoy it. I want them to come into the experience and say, that was great. And I promise you, if we knew the cure to cancer, nothing could stop us from telling other people who were suffering what the cure is. 
And it is not an exaggeration to say that everything you need and everything this world needs and everything you're looking for can only be found in Jesus. Only can be found in Him. And as we talked about last week, it all begins with knowing Him as our personal Lord and Savior who can forgive us of our sin, make us right with God. And Jesus says, I reached you so that you can join me in reaching others. It was never just about you. It was never just about me. I'm just going to be honest. Do you know why we take time once a year to invite the Gideon International Ministry to give a testimony? It's because it's never just about us anyway. They are a missionary arm of this church to go and tell the next person. To go and reach one more person. And did you hear that? They are going where we can't go. They are in some of the most persecuted countries in the world for Christians. And yet they're there. And it is this book, the news about Jesus, that will change someone's life. I'm willing to invest in that kind of a ministry. That's why we're inviting the 8 o'clock service into these two services. It's not about us. It's not about preferences. It's not about styles. It is about relating the gospel of Jesus to the next one who needs to hear them, to hear him. In fact, I loved it this morning. Our senior adult celebration choir sang. They opened up our 8 o'clock traditional service, uh, which ended today. They opened up that service with a call to worship that was just powerful. You know what they sang? May all who come behind us find us faithful. May our lives set the example for the next generation. And I just sat there and was so touched that they chose that song to close out that last service of a traditional service before they come into these two contemporary services that are not their preference, for most of them, not their style, not what they're used to, not what they're accustomed to. But you know why every single one of the key senior adult leaders have embraced this vision? is because they know it's not about us. It's about reaching the next one. Telling one more person about Jesus. And how did Simon and Andrew respond to Jesus' invitation? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Look at verse 20. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Immediately. They did not hesitate. The immediacy of their response is Matthew's way of telling us that when Jesus calls us to discipleship, when Jesus calls us to follow him, when Jesus calls us to go and tell more people about him, there is no excuse for delay. It would always be wrong to say, Jesus, I hear you and I'm so humbled at your invitation to follow you and then to go tell other people about you and I'm going to get around to that one day. And when my life is organized and I've got my priorities set and when I'm ready to retire and when my health is better and when I've got more money in the bank, when I'm not so busy at work, then I'm going to join you, Jesus. But until then, I just can't do it. But I'm with you, Jesus. You go ahead. I'll catch up with you later. That's never the appropriate response to Jesus, the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. The only appropriate response is to immediately say yes and start following him. But, I, but I've got questions. Don't you think Andrew and Simon Peter had questions? 
And yet they immediately left their nets and followed Jesus. But I've got fears. Don't you think they had fears? But they immediately left their nets and followed Jesus. But I've already got some plans. This is going to mess up my plans. They immediately left everything to follow Jesus. In church, there is no excuse for us being delayed one more moment or one more day from being passionately united and focused individually and congregationally in reaching this community for Jesus. Jesus wasn't done yet. Look at verse 21. It says, And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Matthew doesn't tell us, but it's essentially the same call. Follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. How did James and John respond? Verse 22, immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. They said, Dad, it's been good while it lasted. And, and we know that you probably anticipated us taking over the business one day when you retire or when you're gone. But Dad, Jesus has called. And we can't delay We've got to go. We don't have it all figured out. We don't know exactly what he's up to. But we know enough about him that we're going to follow him. And they immediately left the boat and their father mending those nets by himself. I remember the night I came home and told my dad and my mom that I felt God's call into the ministry as a pastor. I was 17 and I thought that the expectation was that since my father had started his own uh, commercial contracting business, that he expected me to go into the family business. We had worked with him during the summers, and I learned how to pour concrete with him. And I, I kid him now, Dad, you know it was pouring concrete with you in July in Lakeland, Florida, that I first felt God calling me to preach. <laughs> There's got to be an easier life than this. And so I, I was worried about his response when I came home that night and said, Dad, I need you to know, Mom, I need you to know, I think God's calling me into ministry. And I don't know what that means, but I went to the pastor tonight and I told him, whatever God's calling me to do, I want to do it. My dad said, I am so proud of you. And I said, well, I was... I was worried you would be disappointed. Disappointed, he said. He said, Ricky, how could you disappoint me if you're following God? He said, if God calls you to be a plumber, go and be the best plumber that you can be for the glory of God. If God's calling you to be a school teacher, go into law enforcement. If God's calling you into full-time vocational ministry, like being a pastor, that's great. I just want you to follow God, whatever that looks like for your life. And dear friend, Jesus is not saying to all of us in this room, go tomorrow and quit your job. Some of you hope that's what he's saying. <laughs> Maybe he is, but that's not the point. He's not saying to every single one of us that we all have to quit our jobs and go into full-time vocational ministry. What he is saying is, I am asking you to submit everything to my lordship. I'm asking you to lay everything at my feet. And if I tell you I want you to do something, I want you to do it now. I want you to obey me because there's something bigger than just you at stake here. There's a world that needs to hear this good news. And dear friend, 
God needs Christian lawyers and Christian businessmen in corporate America. God needs Christian teachers. God needs followers of Jesus in Hollywood. God needs followers of Jesus in the music industry. God needs followers of Jesus as stay-at-home moms or dads taking care of their families. But the point is, to follow Jesus is to fish for others. And if you're not fishing, you're not really following. If your heartbeat is not for someone else to know Jesus like you know Him, if your heartbeat is not that God will give you a chance to open your mouth and to tell someone else about Jesus, then you're not really following Oh, but I come to worship every week and I put money in the offering plate and I'm a part of my life group and and I say amen and I laugh at your jokes. So tell me I'm not following Jesus. I'm a good husband. I'm a good wife. I'm a good parent. I'm I'm good in my relationship with my boyfriend or girlfriend. And, And I try to live for Jesus in those areas of my life. I try to look through the lens of my faith in Jesus at my morals and my politics, and I'm trying to glorify Jesus as best I can in this broken world. That's awesome. I'm not not complaining. But I am saying there's that missing element that we often forget. Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make you to become fishers of men. It's about reaching others for the cause of Christ. Jesus did not die on a cross just so we could be prayer of prayers and singers of songs and attenders of worship services and givers of money and doers of good or preservers of our traditions. He said, I'm dying on a cross and I'm calling you to follow me so that you can become fishers of men. People have asked me as I've shared the vision of our church with you, what is the next big program that we're going to now institute to reach more people? Okay, there must be some big church-wide program that we're going to institute. And the answer is no, there's not. Not some big program. Because what happens is a church will launch this big program. We're going we're to have this big program, this big emphasis, and we're going to do this. And what happens is 95% of the church sit back and go, that's so exciting to see what the 5% are doing through that program. Isn't that awesome? We are doing that. No, we're not. 5% are doing the work. You know what we're going to do, though? We're going to equip you individually to have one-on-one conversations with the people in your life so that you can share Jesus with them in a comfortable, respectful, conversational way. Because Jesus reached you so you could join Him in reaching others. He wants you individually to be a fisher of men. Starting next Sunday, we're going to do a new series called Bless, B-L-E-S-S. And we're going to teach you a simple way to live your life, not only to be blessed by God, but to be a blessing to someone else in sharing your faith with Jesus. If you've ever wanted to be more intentional, you need to be at this series. If you've ever had fears and questions about sharing your faith, you need to be here for this series. If you've ever wanted to know, if I get the chance, what do I say? Maybe I don't have much time. What do I say? How can I share Jesus without feeling like I'm pushing people? I don't want to be a salesperson. Then you need to come for this new series next month called Bless. 
Now, here's your homework. I want you to think about the most influential person in your life who helped reach you for Christ. If you're like me, there are more than one. But I think about the most influential person in my life who helped reach me for Christ. Who is that in your life? Maybe it was a parent, a grandparent. Maybe it was somebody at church. Maybe it was a coworker, or a friend. Maybe it's somebody who invited you to celebrate recovery. Who is that person in your life who was most influential in you coming to know Jesus? And your homework is I want you to write them a letter and say thank you. Maybe you don't send it if you are like me. The person who was most influential is now with Jesus. The person who led me to faith in Christ went to be with our Savior. He died of cancer many years ago. I conducted his funeral. So he's not here, but I wrote a letter anyway to him. In fact, just a few weeks ago, his daughter put on Facebook, if any of you of my friends could share your memories with me about my dad, it would mean so much. Because I was just a little girl when he died, and I don't have so many memories. I would love to hear about my dad through you. And I was able to send her my letter that I'd written to her dad. So I'll read it to you. Dear Winston, I'm writing to say thank you. It was almost 40 years ago this month that I met you for the first time. I was a 12-year-old boy attending vacation Bible school. You were my teacher. I will always remember your Irish tenor voice, your warm smile, your tall, slim frame, and your buzz haircut. Even though you were a family man and a hard-working carpenter by day, you still took time to volunteer after work to teach boys about Jesus at Corinth Baptist Church in Lake Park, Georgia. I did not appreciate that sacrifice of your time and energy back then, but now as a man with a family and responsibilities of my own, I admire your willingness to serve. That week you took a handful of boys and helped us have fun, kept us out of trouble for the most part, escorted us from the worship rally to our small group time. You helped us with our crafts that we worked on and made sure we had plenty of punch and cookies for refreshments. However, the most important thing you did for me that week was sit me down on that Friday night at the end of VBS and ask me this question. Ricky, if you were to die tonight and you were to stand before God and he asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? I remember telling you, I don't know. You then politely and gently said, yes, you do know, because I've taught you this week. Winston, you were right. I knew the answer to that question. I just did not want to admit it at that time. I knew that my sin would keep me out. I knew that the only way I could ever enter into heaven was by placing my faith in Jesus, God's Son, who lived a perfect life and died in my place, taking my punishment for my sin. Jesus, who rose from the dead the third day after he was crucified. These are the things you taught me from the Bible. I knew deep down this good news that God loves me in spite of my sin and would forgive me if I trusted Jesus was true. Even though I was not ready that night, you still prayed for me and encouraged me to come back to church. The next Sunday night, I was there, and I trusted Jesus as my Savior. I was baptized that same night while you and your wife, Becky, looked on with joy. I still have the book that you taught from during BBS, as well as the card you sent me the next week to celebrate my baptism.
As you know, when I was 17, I surrendered my life to God for the gospel ministry. I knew I wanted to help others come to know the same love I had received from him. Little did I know then that God would allow us to serve together at Gateway Baptist Church in Valdosta, where I was the pastor, you were my music director, and your wife Becky was our pianist. Those were good days. Cut short by your battle with cancer and your passing. Winston, as a pastor, I've had the joy of leading many people to Christ. Every year at Vacation Bible School, I go around to all the classes of the older boys and girls, and in your honor, I share with them the same good news about God's love that you shared with me. I just wanted to tell you how grateful I am for how you helped me come to faith in Jesus. Eternally grateful, Ricky. I want someone in your life, now or in the future, to be able to look back one day and say, I thank God for you, for how you led me to Jesus. You have written so many names, hundreds of names on this display. Who is your one? I've been praying for these names individually and praying that God will give you the chance to introduce that one to Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in the stillness of this moment, we have heard once again the call of Jesus. Follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. God, we thank you for this privilege that you reached us so that we can join Jesus in reaching others with this same love. God, our world needs this message of Jesus more now than ever. They need this church united, passionately united and focused on reaching the spiritually lost more than ever. And like Simon and Andrew, James and John, we are willing to immediately and sacrificially obey. And a soul is worth it. Introducing someone to you is worth it. So God, would you take us where we are today and help us to learn more about following you and becoming fishers of men. God, if there's anyone in this room today who has never received Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray that in the stillness of this moment, they too would realize that Jesus loves them enough to die for them on a cross and to rise from the dead. And as their living Savior, he can forgive them of their sin if they will simply Turn from their sin and believe in him. Put their confidence in Jesus. So maybe today someone in this room will pray silently in their heart. Dear God, I admit to you I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus is your son who died for me on the cross, who rose from the dead, and who will hear me today as I pray. So Jesus, I believe in you. I trust in you. I'm sorry for my sin. I receive your forgiveness. Help me to learn more about you and to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen.